0: If you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John and chapter 9. We're kind of going to just start with John 9. We're going to be in a few places in the Scriptures tonight. But last Sunday evening, I suggested that you and I have a part. We have a part in seeing that our needs are met in Christ. Well, the Scriptures teach us that our, that our greatest needs are met in Christ. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. That's our greatest need, to be forgiven our sins. But Jesus also met people's physical needs. While he ministered on earth in the flesh, he found people who needed physical help. He he did give it to them. But that wasn't meant to be his primary ministry. He didn't simply come to earth to Heal the blind, heal the sick, help the lame walk, feed the hungry. He came primarily to preach the gospel, to point people to the truth about himself. As God in human flesh, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, he came to preach repentance of sin and faith in him for salvation. And then he went to the cross to follow through, to provide for our greatest need, to be the sacrifice for sinners, what we deserved. We had this need to be right, made right with God, and Jesus fulfills that need when we look to him and put our faith in him. And through faith in Jesus, you are declared righteous before God. And what a precious gift that is, to be declared righteous God the Father looks at God the Son, the righteous and holy Son of God, and declares those who put their faith in Him righteous because of Christ. That's the imputed righteousness of Christ. Now one thing you need to remember is that salvation leads to far more than being forgiven your sins. And often our minds gravitate to that last song we just sang, When We All Get to Heaven, I think, well... Yes, I'm saved from my sins, but I I also get to go to heaven. And yes, that's true. But it's far more than that. Because, like I've said, we're still here. And God intends to meet our needs here and now, the ones that we have now, the ones we experience now. Salvation also means you are saved to something. Not only from something, not only from the punishment for our sins, but salvation also means that you're saved to something. The Scriptures teach us that we are saved to do good works. We're not saved by good works. We're saved to do them. You do good works if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're obedient to the Scriptures. You do good works. And you do them not to earn your salvation that God has given you as a gift. You do them out of joy, out of obedience. You are saved so that you are able to obey God. Before faith in Christ, you were not able to obey God. As a sinner bound in, in chains of sin, you needed the light of the world, who is Jesus Christ, to give you sight, spiritual sight, and freedom from the bondage of sin, so that you are able to obey God. And that's what we're saved to, Saved, too, here on earth to, to be obedient to God, to, to do good works. And true faith in Christ leads to obedience. If you are not obeying God, if your life is filled with disobedience, you need to examine yourself. Examine yourself. Have I trusted in Jesus Christ? Have I truly repented of my sin? Because a pattern of disobedience that's unbroken... A pattern of disobedience that's running from the Lord is a sign that you haven't trusted in Christ, that you are not a believer. Because a a believer in Jesus Christ, someone who has true faith in Christ, will seek to obey. It doesn't mean you'll be perfect, but you'll have a desire to please God. You'll take steps to honor God with your life. And as difficult as it is, and we'll talk about this in a moment, as difficult as it is, you will want to honor God your heavenly father because of christ you will want to take steps to obey him now that reminds us of one of the ways that we're to prepare ourselves to have our needs met in christ i said earlier we have a part to play in in having our needs met in christ god is concerned with our physical needs yes but he is especially concerned with our spiritual needs and one of the ways we prepare ourselves to have our spiritual needs met is by submitting ourselves to God. If you're a believer, you're to surrender daily to God's will for you, and that is shown to you in God's word. How you are to live is exposed to you in the scriptures. James 4.7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Submit yourselves therefore to God. What comes next is this, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We're not supposed to submit ourselves to the devil. We're not supposed to submit ourselves to keep living in a life of sin. If we've trusted in Christ, we're to submit ourselves to God. We're to make obedience to God our first priority in all things, in every area of life. A lot of times, when you wonder what God wants you to do, the, the answer can be found pretty quickly when you consider the alternatives. I'm not sure what to do. Should I do A or B? Well, does A or B dishonor God? If B dishonors God, don't do B. <laughs> if A honors God, do A. <laughs> right? God's Word is very helpful in teaching us and instructing us and strengthening our Wisdom for Christ-likeness. And we need to pursue obedience, submitting ourselves to God. But you know, and I know, obedience can be difficult. It can be a challenge. It can be difficult to obey in all things, in every area of life, in every relationship, in every thought, in every conversation, in every situation. That's why we have questions, and we think, well, what, am I, what am I supposed to do? But as 1 Peter 5.8 makes clear, we're to be sober-minded, we're to be watchful. Because we have an adversary of the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, we're to be sober-minded, we're to be watchful. We talked about that last Sunday evening. What we saw in the passage before us this morning was that the blind man obeyed Jesus and received his sight. He went and he washed. He went where Jesus sent him and he did what Jesus told him to do. And because he did, he received his sight. He didn't search for another way. He didn't look for another answer. Why did you put spit made mud on my eyes? (laughs) He didn't ask why. He just did what he was told and he came back seeing. Look at John 9, verses 6 and 7. John 9, verse 6. Having said these things... Jesus, having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The blind man obeyed and he came back seeing. Jesus, yes, Jesus provided for a very real physical need in this man's life when the man obeyed. And when we examine the Scriptures, we're taught that God is all about meeting our needs also, but He's especially about meeting our spiritual needs, and yes, our physical needs too, but especially our spiritual needs Because our spiritual needs being strengthened will equip us for having our physical needs met. Often God doesn't meet our physical needs the way we ask him to. He does it in in ways that are most glorifying to him and most good for us. But they aren't often in the ways that we think that he should meet our physical needs. But if we're spiritually equipped, we'll be ready to deal with that. And ready to accept what God gives to meet our physical needs. But for our spiritual health, and even for our physical health, we need to obey God. We need to obey Him. So for a few moments tonight, I want to think carefully about four things. First, I want to think about the consequences of disobedience in the life of a believer. And then we'll also think about why it's so difficult to obey sometimes. And then we'll consider how to equip ourselves for obedience and then very briefly the blessings of obedience so first what are the consequences of disobedience in the life of a believer in Jesus in the Bible there are a number of consequences that can result from disobedience in the life of a believer in Jesus now we want to be careful we don't get hung up where the disciples got hung up as we entered chapter 9 they said who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind, they were thinking that all, all illnesses, all calamities were the result of some person's sin. And Jesus said, neither. <laughs> and so we've learned that not all calamities, not all difficulties, not all illnesses are the result of a particular sin. We know that all all things, because of the fall, all all pain and suffering is because of sin, but but Jesus was trying to make it clear that, no, no, it's, it's that the glory of God might be seen in, in him. So we'll consider very brief, uh, briefly at the end the blessings of obedience, but first the consequences of disobedience. There are a number of consequences that can result from disobedience. Number one, here's one, consider the loss of of blessings as believers who disobey consider the blessings you may miss you may lose god is all about meeting our needs and often our greatest needs still are not physical but they're still spiritual but disobeying god can result in missing out on the blessings that he wants us to enjoy Now, there may be some physical blessings that he wants us to enjoy also, and we may miss those, but I'm not one of those health and wealth prosperity gospel preachers. I want you to know that God doesn't always give you far more than you need. He may give you just enough, and you may feel like you don't have just enough, but he still wants you to trust him and obey him. But disobeying God can result in missing out on the blessings that he wants you to enjoy. For example, in Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 and 2, God promises blessings for obedience. He also promises curses for disobedience. In fact, we gain an understanding of what God expects of His people when you look at Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 and 2. If you want to turn there, that's fine. If not, just listen. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. And if you... Faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God." Now this was specifically directed to the chosen people of Israel. God's chosen people. And while this specific promise doesn't apply to all believers, what it does teach us is what the heart of God is like. It shows us what God is like. It shows us the heart of God toward all who trust in Him. What does God want to do for those who trust in Him? He wants to bless them. He wants to give them spiritual blessings. You can see here in the text also, this, this is actually physical blessing. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And we can't apply that to ourselves. That's, that's for God's chosen people. But we can apply the principle that the truth is, is that God's desire is that for his children to obey him. And he, he longs to bless us when we do. And God promises to bless But get this, the condition of God's blessing was obedience. If you obey, if you, verse 1, if you faithfully obey, obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I commanded you today. You cannot live like God will bless you no matter what, just because you've trusted in Christ. You cannot live like God will bless you no matter what, you do. He wants, he wants your humble, gracious submission to him. And the more we do this, I think you'll discover this if you don't already know this and understand this, but I think the more you humbly submit to God, the more you will joyfully submit to God. The more you humble yourself before God and seek his ways and seek to honor his word, the more you'll find the joy of the Lord as your strength, and the more you will seek out ways to humble yourself before God and honor His Word in your life. Another consequence for disobedience in the life of a believer is that if you disobey, you can also count on your spiritual growth being hindered. Spiritual growth. We ought to long for that. I don't think enough believers long for spiritual growth, to long in the Lord, to to grow in the Lord. We had to long for that, to grow in the Lord. But if you disobey, you can count on your spiritual growth being hindered. Disobedience will, will sour your spiritual life. It will hinder your spiritual growth. Disobedience will make it difficult to deepen your relationship with God. Hebrews 5 Verses eleven and uh, eleven through fourteen, I'm not going to read them. But if you were to read Hebrews five, verses eleven through fourteen, you'll find that it says that those who should be teachers are still in need of someone to teach them the basic principles of God's word because they, they haven't grown enough. God wants us to keep growing. It's one of the joys of chronological maturity. Carolyn and I were joking about old people. I was like, I don't think there are, I don't know that there are very many old people anymore. Maybe because maybe I'm getting old. Maybe because I'm getting old, I don't think there are any old people. We're not that old, are we? Well, we get some. <laughs> right. But chronological maturity, let's call it that. We're not old, we're chronologically mature. I'll tell you what, we never should stop maturing, growing up in Christ. Keep we we can keep growing up in Christ. So I cannot do what I used to do. I cannot keep up with my adult sons who are still most of them in their twenties. But there's still room for me to grow spiritually. There's still room for you to grow spiritually. I speak to some people who say, we can't do much anymore. We can't even get out to church anymore. We can't do anything. I say, yes, you can. <laughs> you can keep growing in the Lord. Keep praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Keep humbling yourself before God's Word. Hebrews 5.14 says this, while we're shown why obedience to God is so important, we need to submit to God We need His Word guiding us and growing us because, verse 14, Hebrews 5, solid food is for the mature. We ought to long for that solid food that's ours when we continue to grow in the Lord. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of, and here's how we're helped, powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil unless you're chronologically mature. Is that what it says? Unless you're old. No. There's, no. there's no exception. This is for all believers. We all need solid food. We ought to pursue spiritual growth, hunger for growing in the Lord. And, and think about the outcome. Why? That our discernment would be trained by constant practice practicing the things of God's Word, reciting the truths of God's Word to ourselves, preaching to ourselves every day the truth of the gospel. And when we catch ourselves thinking the wrong thing, we correct ourselves with the truth of the Bible so that we can keep distinguishing good from evil at every turn. But turning from obedience to God to disobedience will hinder your spiritual growth. Thirdly, disobedience will also lead to a loss of fellowship with God. And I think we ought to long for this more than we do. We ought to long to have fellowship with God. When you disobey, your fellowship with God will be broken. And you may not always recognize this, but I think you know what this is like. I think we all do. When we're disobedient to God, our fellowship with God is broken, and we find ourselves unhappy. I can describe certain times in my life when I was downright miserable. And I would run from one thing to the next trying to find happiness. And what my root problem was is that I wasn't, I wasn't obedient. And I wasn't fellowshipping with God. My fellowship with God was broken. In the words of isaiah 59 two your iniquities make you make a separation between you and God, not God. God doesn't make the separation. your iniquities make the separation between you and God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. that ought to make us uh, fear and tremble a little bit of getting getting lax in our spiritual growth our are pursuing the things of the Lord and knowing God's Word, hiding God's Word in our hearts, spending time with Him in prayer, asking for His will to be done in our lives, in the lives of the people around us. Disobedience will lead to a loss of fellowship with God. Disobedience, number four, disobedience can also lead to discipline from God. And here's where the disciples were thinking. This is what the disciples were thinking. Often we, we, get, we can be guilty of this. We see someone who's suffering and we think, I wonder what they did wrong. Jesus said, not always. Not always. Now, he didn't say they had never sinned. He didn't say his parents and this man had never sinned. And God's word is clear that disobedience can lead to discipline from God. We ought to be thankful for that. A godly parent will discipline their children not out of anger, but out of love. Because they want their child to grow up to maturity be a wise individual who lives with wisdom in this world. And disobedience in God's children can lead to discipline from God in order to bring us back to a right relationship with Him. And we ought to thank Him for that. And I can attest again, looking at specific times in my life when I was miserable and I began to realize that God was disciplining me so that I would give Him my attention finally. You know what joy is yours when you do that? When you turn to God and give Him your attention. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. I'm not going to read all of those verses. It tells us that discipline is a sign of God's love for us. And we ought to be grateful for that. And that it's necessary for our growth and maturity as believers. But listen to what verses 5 and 6 say in Hebrews 12. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when, he, when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. If you're disobedient and you find yourself disciplined by God, thank God for that. And turn back to obedience. Number six, disobedience to God can also lead to sinful habits. Sinful habits. Disobedience can lead to the formation of sinful practices, sinful habits, and it can make it difficult to break free from them. Proverbs 13, 15 it says that the way of the treacherous is their ruin. The way of the treacherous is their ruin. The way you go as you're sinning is, the, what, is what's ruining you, ruining your life, ruining your joy. It's as the saying goes, maybe you've heard this before, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Keep sinning keep sinning, and you'll find yourself further and further from God. So disobedience is a serious matter for a believer. There are negative effects and serious consequences for believers, for the believer's spiritual life, for the believer's relationship with God, for the believer's joy. You can find yourself entrapped in a pattern of sin that you find almost impossible to break free from if you will not turn from disobedience and to obedience asking for God's help in that. But you say, it's difficult to obey all the time. It's difficult to obey all the time. Turn to Romans 7. Romans chapter 7. And I will say to you two words If you're thinking, it's difficult to obey all the time, I'll say, it is. It is. In fact, the Bible agrees with you, if you think that. That it's difficult to obey God all the time. Romans chapter 7, you know this passage probably. Romans 7, Paul, the Apostle Paul said this. Romans 7 verse 15. Romans 7 verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. Can we pause right there for a moment? Every time I read that, I think, Whoa, this is Paul? The Apostle Paul? <laughs> it's like, was he reading my mail? Was he reading my mind? This is me. Romans seven fifteen. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want. but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Paul's theology is very good here, of course. (laughs) And of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the author of scriptures. When he says in verse 17, so now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And then verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. And the believer says, wait, don't I have the Holy Spirit? And Paul says, that is in my flesh. And we can identify with Paul in that, right? In the flesh, we have trouble. It's hard to obey God all the time. But Paul knew he had the Holy Spirit. He knew that believers would have the Holy Spirit. And yes, it's hard to stop sinning, but God has given us a way. He's made it possible for us to turn from sin and say no to sin. It's going to be very difficult for us to not sin this side of heaven. But patterns of sin habits of sin should be fewer and farther between. Yes, it's hard to stop sinning. It's hard to be obedient all the time. Hebrews twelve one points to this fact when it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's that's what God has called us to. That's what God has saved us to for this side of heaven. That we be people who want to be done with our sins, be done with temptations, the things that hinder our fellowship with God and ruin our joy in the Lord. And we can identify with this, can't we? This, this trying to lay aside this weight and this sin which clings so closely. But we're to endure with our eyes fixed on Christ, with our hope in the Lord, with our confidence in the Lord, because we have His Spirit and we have His Word if our faith is in Christ. So yes, sin is a real burden, and it's difficult to be done with it. So what are we to do? Turn to Matthew chapter 26 for a moment. Matthew 26. What are we to do? The Bible helps, of course, the Bible is a gift from God, a living and active and breathing gift from God. There is hope for us. You can find it in your Bible. This is why the Bible tells believers look at Matthew 26 and verse 41. Watch and pray. The Bible tells us Matthew 26 verse 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. So yes, it's difficult for human beings to obey God all the time. It's due to the, the presence of sin in our lives, which makes it challenging, and the entanglement of sin, and the weakness of the flesh, and that weight of sin that clings so closely, as we heard in Hebrews 12.1 but that's why it's so important that God's children watch and pray we talked about this last week didn't we? last Sunday evening we're to watch ourselves pay attention to our spiritual life but here we have this little phrase watch and pray watch and pray for God's help to not enter into temptation. So what are we to do then? How can we equip ourselves for obedience? How can we keep watch and pray in order not to enter into temptation? There is hope for every believer in Jesus, and I'm grateful for the hope that's given us in God's Word. Here's one measure of hope for us. God gives us when He gives us this this instruction and teaches us that we're to learn to pray always. Pray always. We are, in fact, taught to pray without ceasing, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And we're told in Luke 18.1 that Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. You fix your eyes on Christ. You thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ, and you pray to your Heavenly Father, and you ask for His help that you might not enter into temptation And you do not lose heart in your praying. You keep praying for God's help. Strengthen my faith, Lord. Help me to see you more clearly from the pages of your word. Help me to live a life that honors you. Spare me from temptation. And So God tells us to watch and pray because He's given us the privilege of speaking to Him, the creator of the universe, speaking to Him in prayer at any time. And he promises to answer our prayers and give help. It's one of the reasons we need to develop the habit of being constantly in an attitude of prayer and dependence on God. I think it was Spurgeon who said it. When I read it, it kind of stuck with me and I've, I've thought of it often. This this idea of praying always or, or praying without ceasing. It's not, not like we're down on our knees all the time or, or we're walking around with our eyes closed. But it's like I think it's the way Spurgeon said it, it was like it's like we're we're constantly throughout the day shooting these little prayer arrows to god we're oh I have a need, I'm going to shoot this prayer arrow to god he's he's going to help me. he promises to help in in my every need constant communication with God and we we need to develop that habit of being constantly in an attitude of prayer so that When we face difficulties, hardships, difficult decisions, difficult conversations, our first instinct is to say, God, help me with this. Give me wisdom for this, right here, right now. Help me to do what's pleasing to you, honoring to you. So it's helpful to learn how to carry on this constant attitude of prayer depending on God throughout your day. And yes, it's important, I will not deny, it's important to have a set time. It would be good for you to set a time when you will be alone with God in prayer, removing yourself from the distractions of daily life as best you can, finding a place and a time to spend time alone with God for an extended period of time in prayer. But we, all, we ought not leave the attitude of prayer behind when we leave the prayer closet, when we leave that place of prayer We've to take that attitude of prayer with us into the day and throughout the day. Pray throughout the day about everything, about anything. Give it all to the Lord and ask Him to help you deal with everything in a way that pleases Him and ask for His will to be done in your life. We can also learn to watch ourselves. Again, we heard this last Sunday evening we can learn to watch ourselves that's why Matthew 26:41 says watch again we're talking about watching and praying we can learn to watch ourselves Matthew 26:41 says watch and pray watch watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation watch yourself and pray pay attention to your spiritual needs pay attention to those things that tempt you that might lead you to be tempted to sin. Pay attention to your spiritual needs and your spiritual life and the things in your life that might lead you to be tempted to sin and dishonor God. Watch. Watch yourself. Watch yourself how? Pay attention to your own weaknesses and temptations. Yes, be mindful of those areas in your life which you're you're most likely to stumble in and be on guard and prepare yourself and train yourself to say no to temptation with God's help. Resisting temptation with God's help. And, and especially with Scripture, you need to hide God's Word in your heart and be quick to bring those Scriptures to mind as you face things that would tempt you to dishonor God. One small way to do that. It's not a, it's not a small thing. What's a small way to, to do that is, is to, uh, to prepare yourself for temptations and say no to them. A small way is to practice not giving yourself everything you want. You might be able to afford it. You might see no sin in it. There may be no sin in it, in it. But it would be good for you to to look at something and say, You know what? I'm going to say no to myself about that right now, so I can practice saying no to a sinful temptation. Give extra time to reading the Bible. You could do that if you can fast. Maybe if you're physically able, you can fast for a day. I'm not a doctor. If you think you need to, consult your doctor for that. But if you can, if you can go without food for a day, that time you would normally give to food, or give, your, give food to yourself, give the Word to yourself. Spend time in the Word. Extra time in the Word. Extra time praying for God's strength and wisdom to help you face temptation when it comes that you would not be led into temptation. If you can't fast, go without dessert for a few days. I promise you will not die because you skipped dessert. That's blasphemy, isn't it? <laughs> you'll live, but you know what? You'll learn, you'll, you'll be practicing over, over something little. I know dessert's a pretty big deal, but in the scheme of things, when it comes to being led away into temptation, practice saying no to little things in your life so that when the bigger things come, you've you've already practiced. And then, of course, you should always ask for God's help. The Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is in you to help you say no. To temptation, The Holy Spirit is able to provide strength and power to resist temptation, and we ought to thank God for that, and we ought not neglect it. That's one of the reasons we need to humble ourselves before God and submit ourselves to God. We need the guidance and discernment the Holy Spirit will bring as the Holy Spirit brings back the Scriptures to us and brings us back to the Word itself to make wise choices, to make God-honoring Decisions to learn to say no to temptation. So read the Scriptures, hide God's Word in your heart, and especially meditate, I would encourage you to do this, especially meditate on the promises of God's Word that give instruction about how God promises to help you. Let me give you some examples, and maybe you want to write down the references. 1 Corinthians 10.13 is one. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, but is uh, but God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it first corinthians ten thirteen uh, Another one is James one twelve Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. James 1.12 Another one is Hebrews 2.18 For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Hebrews 2.18 Another one is Hebrews 4 verses 15 and 16, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The Word of God does not deny the fact that you are are going to need help in saying no to sin. One more, 1 John 2.1. That was, I'll give it to you again. The last one was Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16. The next one, 1 John 2.1. 1 John 2.1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So keep watch. Keep praying. Watch, Keeping watch and praying is a continuous effort. It it requires a constant and ongoing relationship with the Lord. And it's a way to stay close to God, to be aware of His presence, to be obedient to His will. It's also a reminder that we're not alone in the fight against sin and temptation. God has given us what we need. You heard that in one of the scriptures I read a moment ago. God has given us what we need, his word, his spirit, and the ability to say no to sin with his help. And we can rely on the power of God to overcome temptation. Now I said we were going to talk about very briefly the blessings, and it is going to be brief. But I would encourage you, as you read the scriptures, as you read, pay attention to the blessings of God that God promises to those who obey. You'll find them end to end In your Bible. Well, very briefly, there are blessings promised by God for obedience. God will provide for your needs. And we should praise God for that. Here's some things that God promises to do. He promises a closeness and fellowship with him, which leads to our joy. I've talked about that a little bit when we talked about being disobedient. Closeness and fellowship with God and and joy in the Lord. What, what the world calls happiness, Christians call joy. We also call it peace. We also call it contentment. God promises a closeness of fellowship with Him if we'll obey Him, and we'll have peace and contentment and joy. God also promises wisdom and understanding. You know, it's disobedient not to read the Scriptures, <laughs> You get into God's word, you'll find truth that will help you in, in living a daily life. And as you obey God, he will bring to you the, the scriptures you've read and help you understand them and help you take acts, action to obey. God promises wisdom and understanding. It's, it's for, for very real life situations that you and I face. God also promises to, to protect and provide Protection and provision for which we can praise God. And God promises blessings in this life and eternal life. And last but not least, God promises rewards in heaven. Rewards in heaven for those who obey. I can't imagine what those rewards are, but I guarantee you they're better than anything you've gotten on earth. (laughs) They're going to be far better than anything you can imagine God giving you this side of heaven. And as you read the Bible, I encourage you again, keep your eyes open to see many, many other blessings from God, uh, for God's children that God promises to those who obey Him. I will leave you with this passage as we wrap up tonight. Hebrews 12.2 says this. Here's what we need to do. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We can say our God reigns. Does he reign in our lives? Are we submitting to him? May we honor our God. May we honor the Lord Jesus Christ with our obedience. It's for God's glory. It's for our good.